Thanks for listening to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now, here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with another episode. What number is this? It is 43. No, 42. 42? 42. All right. Very good. Welcome back, everybody. We're excited to talk with you today, and thank you again for joining us. We have a really interesting topic today that I just realized this when you told me uh, the specifics around what we're going to be chatting about, and you said spirituality, like maintaining spirituality within the workplace. Here's the title I came up with, and I, and I didn't... Pick up. I didn't pick the title yet, so if the title's something else, sorry guys. But what I was thinking of is how to be consciously self-aware in an unconscious world, in a sleep world setting. Yeah, where there's a bunch of sleepers walking around. And I know a lot. There's going to be there is a lot of overlap in our episodes, but I try to record and discuss things as like standalone episodes. So if somebody's just listening to one episode, they should be able to get a lot of value on it. And although people who listen every single week might think there's some repetitive um, stuff in there, I don't. I don't do that to be to be annoying. Yeah. I do that so that somebody who just like is new to the podcast and picks this one episode, or when I have friends and family who reach out to me, I like to point them to one episode that like this one can help you, and they don't have to listen to six different episodes to piece everything together. Well, one of our avid listeners gave us a rating one time and I think in her rating she was like when I first saw this podcast on LinkedIn and I came across it I saw like workplace entrepreneurship spirituality and something else in the same sentence in terms of that one podcast we did and she was like I was hooked after that yeah like I I'm completely aware of the fact that it's not easy to be a self-aware individual it's not easy to develop self-understanding and we'll get into exactly what self-awareness is what is self-understanding? Why would we even want to be self-aware? I'm going to touch all topics today. And also, if anybody ever wants to get like an understanding of what like the unconscious environment is, we'll get into that. But there's a really good movie that I like called They Live that oh, came yeah. out. Uh, I think it was in like the late 80s or early 90s it came out. But it has a wrestler in it back in the day. I think his name was Rodney Piper is the guy who was the main star in it. But basically in this movie, he is in New York City, I think, Mm -hmm. and he comes across this pair of sunglasses. And when he puts the sunglasses on, it like allows him to see through the veil of this three-dimensional reality that we live in to show what's actually happening behind the scenes. An example is like he's in Times Square and he's looking around at all these advertisements. It's like, buy this, uh, you know, buy this perfume or cologne and buy this these pizzas or whatever the advertisements are and then he puts the glasses on and looks at him and then like underneath them once he can see through the veil it says consume obey like all these different things that these companies are trying to get people to do and it's a really fascinating movie but um that's kind of like what we're pushing towards when we talk like what is the unconscious environment like when we're in the workplace there's a lot of systemized matrix-like activity that occurs because you are so programmed to just abide by a set of rules, do a set of things, focus on your role within your company, focus on growth with the company. And it becomes very unconscious after a while because it's just like driving almost, right? Like you drive so much, you become programmed how to drive, and sometimes you'll be driving and you'll realize, holy cow, I was looking at the road, but for the last 30, 40 seconds, I was thinking about something completely else. 
And that can happen a lot in the workplace too. Like what you do in your daily routine can become unconscious because you have created a program and you're not operating outside of that program. And so that's what we're meaning when we discuss becoming conscious in an unconscious environment. It's easy to be self-aware and very conscious in certain work scenarios, people who work from home. It's a little bit easier for people who work from home than the ones who go into the office every day and are bombarded with all these other interactions, with human interaction. I think when wherever there is mass human interaction in your day, that's where you are tested the most. And so this is not to downplay those of us who work from home. This is not to downplay um, stay-at-home moms or dads. This is not to downplay any of that. This is simply a different... It's a different set of rules. It's a different, completely different scenario that I'm going to be discussing, that we're going to be discussing today. And it's literally based on the ones who have to go out there and deal with the office, with the people, with the employees, with the managers, with your boss, with customers, with clients. That's where I think we are tested the most. And it's the hardest to be this, to be self-aware. It's the hardest to be conscious in those moments. Yet I think it's the most necessary for those individuals to practice self-awareness and practice being a conscious human being. But it's obviously not easy. Um, Let's give some examples, like maybe one or two, about somebody who, like some common examples that most people can relate to in the workplace. I have one, so you think of one. Um, If you're, I kind of went down this path in 2012 so by the time I was out of law school, it was 2013 or 14, and I was into the working world. So I was already practicing being a conscious person, and I felt that I was at a pretty good spot. Now, mind you, all I had to deal with was my friends, my family, and school up until that point. Now I go into the working world, and I started off in the DA's office in Philadelphia. Now I'm dealing with almost like over 300 people every single day. I'm dealing with a courtroom full of people dealing with a judge, I'm dealing with other attorneys. From those of you that don't know, attorneys have huge egos. That's, I'm, that's all I'm going to say. If you don't believe me, I don't care, but it's, it's a fact. So I'm dealing with that, and I'm just like kind of shocked. You know, like I'm just shook. I had other jobs before growing up. I had like petty jobs here and there, but this was just different, right? It was like the real world. And I remember walking in and feeling like if somebody didn't have their caseload done the night before and we would go to give you a little um, background we'd go up and put like 50 60 cases up for preliminary hearings and this is like 8 a.m till 5 p.m like every single day so i had to know all my facts i had to know the laws i had to know what i was going to be arguing i had to pivot all these arguments in my head for like 30 plus cases every single day and for somebody fresh out of school that's like not not too easy so like stress was high for me too But I would go in and I'd be dealing with other attorneys that this was their full-on job and they would have full-on trials to prepare for and these other cases with me. So their caseload was tougher, their stress was worse, but they were just unconscious people. Like they would probably be out till 8 p.m. drinking in Center City, Philadelphia and then showing up like all frazzled and scared, you know. That stress would be pushed upon me. Are you you referring to the prosecuting side of the defendant? Yeah. Okay. That stress would be pushed upon me. Or my workload. Like if they didn't do something, it'd be tossed onto me. Or if I made the tiniest mistake in my argument, then I would get yelled at by them because they're under so much stress. And that's when I 
I quickly realized that like I was caught in this like spiral. And obviously if you get yelled at um, by a judge or somebody, it's a very scary thing at first if you've never experienced it before. Like you're just shaking the whole time. Like I could have peed my pants like several times. Like that's how scary it was when I first started. How many times actually did you? I didn't. It's just like (laughs) I literally would have knots in my stomach every morning. Sometimes I'd be shaking before I'd be walking in. Like it's nerve wracking. So doing that, I realized that I had to become... Although I may have considered myself to be very conscious and self-aware individual at school, amongst my peers, amongst my family members, and my other relationships in life, I was not equipped to handle the real world in the working um, world. So I realized, like, I have to get, like, stronger. I have to, like, this is, like, a next level. It's like a game. And so I would try to walk in there, and no matter what anybody would say to me, no matter how much work somebody would throw at me, me knowing that it's their job and not my job, I wouldn't let myself get like down and out like I I had some tough moments I had to go to the bathroom I would be crying my eyes out and like not let anybody see it and fix my makeup and go back out like I had my moments and that just that came with being thrown into it and then from there I went into the corporate world which wasn't any better that 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 came with its other like office drama and office politics and someone like pivoting you against other people like you know that had its own drama and so like I I tend to think of those things as, do you let these things and these people put you in a bad mood? This is the simplest way I can put it. Put you in a bad mood and make you feel defeated every single day and tired and going to work every single day? Like, are you just, you know, dreading it? Or do you bring your own energy out there? Do you become so strong and so armored in a positive manner, not in a negative manner, that you show up and you're you're able to brush through all that crap like, one, two, three, I think of like swatting flies. Like you just like swat through things. Single-handedly, this has taken me several years. However, last three or four years, I've been working from home pretty much. I mean, I deal with the outside world a little bit, but not that much, not as much as you do. And last week I was triggered a little bit and I won't go into too much detail with it, but I was triggered on a phone call and I immediately stepped away from my computer and did a 20-minute Uh, meditation I absolutely felt like wow I have not felt like this in years I haven't felt this much anger within me in years in in like in my workspace and I haven't felt so like I was what's the word I'm trying to think of I was very in this situation I was very um I was offended actually with the scenario and what this person said I was super offended and I just stepped away. I'm like, this is not how my work ever feels. This is not how it goes down. Like somebody cannot have, and it was towards the end of the day too. Like someone cannot have that much power that at 31 years old, it is making me feel this way because that's not normal for me anymore. You know, I don't deal with 35, 40 people every day. So I just meditated and that's where the idea of this whole podcast, this episode came in me. It was just like, there are people who go out there every single day and deal with it. And for me, of not having to, at that level, I felt it last week, like bad. and Divine inspiration to I the just, meditation. Yeah, I just think that it's it's important to realize, like, number one, if you do work from home, and I'm sure you have to interact with phone calls and meetings and emails, which can equally throw us all off and make us very unconscious in our thoughts and our emotions and in our reactions. But whether it's that or you physically go to an office, it's so important to realize that the best thing you can do for yourself for your career is to become self-aware um 
other people's issues are constantly projected onto us in the working world. And it's all not for a common goal. It's for the goal of somebody way up higher than you. So it almost makes it worthless. Like our resentment and our anger, I think, is very deep-rooted and seated for the masses, not for me, but for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. Do you have an example? Yeah, I probably have a bunch. Uh, let's see. So when I was in the legal space, I noticed a lot of unconscious behavior because like the space that I was in, you do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think this is very common of a lot of types of roles jobs, yeah. and jobs in general. But like people become so programmed to just do the same thing over and over and over again you don't really even think about it anymore, right? And it's just like, it kind of reached, for a point it reached for me, and one of the things I used to question is like, what am I doing now, right? Like, you do the same thing over and over again, do I really want to do this for another 30 years for my career? And just literally have this repetitive cycle of like, doing the same thing every day, over and over and over again, with very, very little variety. And that to me became incredibly unconscious and it was like i'm not even like you know using my mind in a way that i know i can and for me personally i am a type of individual where i have to be very engaged and mentally stimulated in what i'm doing in order for me to continue to want to do it for the long term and thrive and i've got to be able to switch things up and so i made a transition into more of the business side of things which was great for me at the time because allowed me to really kind of expand my mental capacity, expand my knowledge and expertise in different areas and soak in a tremendous amount of experience that I probably would have never captured if I would have stayed where I was before. And luckily for me also, I get to work with entrepreneurs from all over the world. So like because of that, they're working on new businesses, new models, new technologies, and I get to continuously have my mind engaged and stimulated in all these different things. So it really helped warp me from this unconscious mind frame into a conscious mind frame. Um, So I I feel very grateful for that. But even then, like with what I do, I notice a lot of unconscious behavior still just in other people. And I've become very self-aware of that. And it could be everything from maybe I'm working with an entrepreneur and they are continually doing the same thing over and over again in their business and expecting a different result. Albert Einstein called that insanity, right? And it takes me to like probe them in different ways to say, you know, let's take a step back and let's look at the data. Let's look what you've done. Uh, You're getting the same result. You're doing the same thing over and over again. We have to look at this from different angles. We have to test new things. And that's one example. Um, or even like when I'm working with our, our larger corporate clients around the world, like there's a lot of unconscious behavior I notice there. And um, something I do notice in larger environments a lot is that people tend to pass the buck. They don't like to make a decision and move forward like I've experienced or what we do when we're in a smaller company. And it's whenever there's like a big decision that needs to get done and it needs it to go in a timely manner it seems like people are constantly passing the buck to another person so that they don't necessarily have to make that decision themselves. And I do understand in certain scenarios, maybe they don't have the authority or capacity to make that decision. So it really does require somebody else to get their approval, which is just part of the larger organizational hierarchical structure. And other times they probably could make the decision, but they don't 
want to because if for some reason their decision turns out to be an incorrect one, they don't want to catch the flack from that. So I noticed that a lot too. And then also I think as I've grown and I've just met, I've been extremely fortunate to meet like very interesting people all around the world that have all sorts of varying levels of success to like extremely successful multi-billionaires that have started companies and done very well for themselves to early stage companies to mid-market companies to entrepreneurs of all different kinds whether they started lifestyle businesses to tech products like I've been extremely blessed to travel all around the world and meet these different people and there's a lot of interesting unconscious behavior that happens in people themselves as well and even after they reach a level of success and this is what i find most interesting sometimes you see people that have reached a very large amount of what we would call financial success or business success and they're very unconscious in a lot of things what they do in their life like they're continuing to like tear their body up by eating the the worst foods they possibly could for themselves or let's say that they're like you know they're late to every meeting that they go to and then they always have an excuse or blame some external circumstance as opposed to taking responsibility on themselves for why they just couldn't be at that thing on time. Like there's there's these repetitive patterns that people get programmed in, again, that they don't want to get out of. And it always boggles my mind when you have somebody that has reached just a tremendous amount of success, but from an objective perspective, it's completely apparent, apparent that they're sleeping in a large chunk of the more important things, in my opinion, in their life, like their health, their reputation with others, like different types of things about how how you make people feel, not about what people think about you, but how you make others feel. Um, and I, ha- I have really noticed a people that have reached a large amount of success that really do lack a lot of self-awareness in different areas. And so I find that interesting. I feel as though when when you deal with some of these kinds of things in the real world, like some of the examples that you and I just mentioned, when you do them and you go through them and like, you know, you maybe react in a bad way or like messes up your day or you're just, you become resentful of your job and you don't want to be there anymore. It almost makes people like people who are working on themselves consistently and are trying to be more conscious and self-aware and not react to things in their life makes people like us feel as though we took two steps forward in life but then took three back when triggering things like this happen at work um or with other people for that matter but before we go into all that um and before we discuss what people can do in order to heighten up their self-awareness and understanding in unconscious settings um let's discuss like what self-awareness is but what what do you want to say no go ahead go ahead you're good are you sure yeah okay um i think at the basic level self-awareness it's just basically it's being able to pay attention to who you are and like what makes you tick. If I had to give the simplest definition, like that's what it would be. You just, it's who you are and what makes you tick. Like you know yourself. But then on a more complex level, I think where the real work happens, um, self-awareness, I think it involves developing more of an understanding of your deeper beliefs, your inner strengths and weaknesses, your mental and emotional defense mechanisms and your repressed unconscious materials that are like in deep rooted into you from childhood from trauma from like a catastrophic event in your life or just from how your parents taught you to perceive the world you know some of us grew up and our parents said that the world is bad 
you know, some people, some of us grew up in, the, in our parents said you have to work very hard for money. Like these are all programmable things inside of us that now really affect us and directly impact the way that we, the way our relationship carries on with the world around us. And I think um, what you just said is very important too, because the world around us is the thing that tests us yeah. each and every day. And somebody recently laid this out for me in a really interesting way that I had never seen anybody do before, but it makes a lot of sense with this topic we're talking about in terms of unconscious versus conscious behavior, um, especially when you have people that are very close to you and testing you on a daily basis, whether that's in your personal life or your professional life. Mm-hmm. And what this person did was they drew a giant circle on a piece of paper and said, this circle right here represents a cosmic clock. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he goes, what I've learned is that um, there's people that sit at different points on this cosmic clock. And let's, and when you're looking at this circle, which is this cosmic clock, think of each point on it as a new lifetime that you're living. So I think, you know, one of the things that I think is possible is reincarnation because there is a lot of data um, that's come out throughout the years that kind of would point to that there's a possibility of this, right? There's a lot of spiritual practices that follow this. So if you're looking at this cosmic clock and this clock starts at zero and goes all the way um, around for like a full hour as we would consider it on, on on a clock, each one of these little points could be a new potential lifetime on this cosmic clock. And there could be millions and millions of lifetimes to get around the clock just one time. And then when you hit the end of this clock, maybe you've learned all the lessons that you have in this existence and then you ascend or you kind of reach the next level. So when you're thinking about this, maybe you're you're already very conscious in your life. You could be sitting at you know, 6 p.m. hypothetically on this cosmic clock and somebody else could be sitting at 10 a.m. and you've had far more lifetimes and experiences than this person has. And I think when you look at things that way, it kind of puts stuff in perspective in terms of why people potentially act the way they do. Why isn't it that some people don't have more self-awareness or haven't attained it yet. It could be that their particular soul has not been here nearly as long as yours has. You could have had thousands or millions of more lifetimes and gone through many more experiences and lessons and built up better karma throughout that time. And they're just way behind on this cosmic clock. There's nothing right or wrong about that. It's just different and they're at a different point. And so when you look at things that way, I think it helps you become more objective and saying, "Oh, they're this is just you know they're they're learning still, and I'm learning still. We're just a different. Detached. It helps you become detached, and not and, so offended like I was. Like exactly. That. And then from a non-ego perspective, you just say we're just in different places. Yeah. There's nothing right or wrong about that. We're just in different places. Yeah, and that also forces you to be okay with how you're being perceived by those people, right? Yeah. Because if sometimes there's argument, <laughs> yeah. Well, hold on a second. Let's share our example of our ice cream example last night." You and I went for ice cream yesterday, mm-hmm. okay? I was in just like a shitty mood yesterday. I don't even know why, but I was. And I was kind of snappy. Like I was just like ready to just like deck someone in the face. <laughs> so we go to get ice cream and it was really nice out. It's like middle of the day, like 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. And this ice cream place is obnoxiously crowded. So now I'm already like, yeah, I like, hate crowds. Never have we been there and it's been so crowded. Yeah, and I'm like, why? It's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, go home people like I'm already annoyed so we go and we get our ice cream and after standing for like 20 minutes the seat opens up and Brian and I sit down 
And Brian got an affogato, so that took another 10 minutes to get to us. And if you don't know what an affogato is, it's basically like a scoop of ice cream, and then they make a shot of espresso, but they give them to you separately, and then you pour it on top right. of it. You pour the espresso shot on top of the ice By cream. By yourself. And there's no table, so we're just sitting, and we're holding our ice cream. <laughs> so unbeknownst to me, there is a kiss cam, um, a kiss kissing booth cam contest going on at this place the last several weeks and whoever posts the greatest picture or whatever gets picked gets free ice cream for a year i didn't know that that's where we were sitting which is exactly what every health nut wants yeah, but everybody was <laughs> free ice cream for a year us and there was kids sitting there before us like nobody was really doing that contest it's like an older contest so we're sitting there and i'm watching i have sunglasses on don't know why i have sunglasses on inside but i do and brian is pouring the espresso into his ice cream and without a table so as he's doing it i'm watching him but right in my purview, like looking straight through his ice cream, is this really... And I'm going to share how I felt at the moment. It's not how I feel anymore, but I'm going to be real and honest right now. I'm looking at her and I'm looking at her looking at Brian pour it into his ice cream. And it hasn't even... The whole thing hasn't even been poured yet, okay? This was like slow-mo. All of a sudden, she looks at me dead. And I'm like trying to ignore her because I have sunglasses on. And she like puts her hand out and goes, excuse me, excuse me. And she's like, excuse me. And I instantly knew where this was going. Mind you, I was already in a bad mood. She goes, can we please sit there and get the kissing cam booth? Because I can't pass up a whole, a whole winning a whole year worth of free ice cream. The amount of anger that I had in that moment is, I cannot even put into words right now. And I'm not going to go there. But Brian was kind of just like... <laughs> Is she serious? Like, I was just caught off guard because yeah, I was, was like, I'm like, I'm like literally he just see. sat down eating, trying to like pour my yeah, ice cream. I was watching this happen. Like she's watching him do I'm like, wow, he didn't even finish pouring. So he stops pouring his thing. And I get up and under my breath, I, I mumbled. I'm like, I guess. And I, <laughs> she definitely didn't hear me. There was too many people there. And then we walk out, but I start speed walking to the car because I am that angry. And I sit down and I just felt like it just festered so bad and I was thinking like why am I so mad one I was already annoyed that day but two somebody to look at somebody else. I was defensive of Brian that was the real problem is that, that she's looking at us and she's looking at him pour this thing and has no regard of the fact that we too are paying customers sitting down on a chair and he's just trying to pour his ice cream into his thing and for her all she can think of is getting to yeah. this kiss cam thing. And, and just to put it in perspective, in order for that to happen, we had to actually get up and leave, like yeah, walk out leave. of the restaurant in order yeah. to make this happen for her. Yeah, there was like no other chairs open. So it just made me, it was one of those moments where I, would, I definitely was tested. And although I didn't react to her, to her face, I definitely reacted behind the scenes internally, which is just as bad. I'm not condoning this behavior whatsoever. But we kind of joked about it for a little bit after that because <laughs> either way, and things like that, I forget the point I was trying to make. It's like when things like that happen, sometimes they come from ego. You know, like I was just like, oh my God, what a rude person. You know, like, and then I thought, what did I do to attract this rude person in my life? I just wanted my ice cream. And for me, like, I'm usually in my own little world. So like, I like didn't really care much when she was asking. I was just like trying not to spill my espresso going into yeah. my ice cream. And I was like, yeah, sure. I like get up and then I walk out and then I turn around and think for a second. I was like... 
that's kind of weird. Like she literally just asked us to get up and leave that entire restaurant. I, I was just in it the. I was I was being unconscious in the yeah. moment. I was focused on my it ice cream. An, it's like being at a restaurant and somebody just walking in. You're sitting down. So and saying like, like can will I you sit get there? up and leave so I can play this game? Like walk out of the entire restaurant. Yeah, can I, I sit like, in your seat? Like, I guess, lady, go for it. I'm in the middle of eating. Like, why do you want me to get up? Yeah, they're just weird. Anyway, but uh, let's give some self awareness examples of like moments of where like people are like responding differently which means that they're being self-aware about that thing i'll give i'll give the first one there's a guy named um i don't know tommy and tommy doesn't uh tommy goes through girls a lot and like he's always dating women but it never seems to work out and he has a a moment of like awareness that he thinks he, he now believes that when he goes on dates with girls before they're his girlfriends He's not feeling or being emotional or tuning into a connection or lack of a connection. Instead, he's always thinking about if this person fits the paper list that his parents kind of raised him to, you know, marry a certain type of woman. So he's always looking at women through the eyes of his parents as opposed to really just feeling feelings if there's anything there or not there. I would call that awareness. Somebody being able to say, this repetitive behavior, my failed relationships, time and time again, what is wrong here? And then he's able to step back and say, I don't even choose my girlfriends. Basically, my parents' voices in my head oh, are you. what's choosing the girlfriend. And that's why they're not working out because it's not what I want. Mm-hmm. So I would call that self-awareness. Do you have one? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, as a direct example for me, when I was coming through school and didn't know what I wanted to do yet... I think I let the people around me say, you should go to law school because that is, you know, you don't know what you want to do yet. Maybe you could go this direction. You've got people in the family that do this. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just did that. It ended up working out, right? But I kind of just did that from an unconscious perspective instead of, at the time I was too young and immature to like, know I should be sitting down and figuring out like, what is it that I really want to do? What is it that I really want to go after? So unconsciously, I transitioned into going to three more years of school as I figured that out. And I'm, you know, there's no resentment there. It's, I'm grateful for it. It was part of my path. And I learned a lot and met a lot of great people. And it's definitely helpful in what I do today. So it definitely was part of my larger path. But I made that decision very unconsciously. I didn't sit back and say, you know what? No, this isn't something that I'm very interested in or I feel like is going to be um, something that I want to do with my career is practicing law. What do I want to do? I never took a step back and did that. So I entered that path very unconsciously. And sometimes that happens. Like even if you are a conscious person in what you do, sometimes you do things unconsciously yeah. and it ends up being part of your path in a unique way that you couldn't expect. Um, well, but that's, that's, a, that's always, a decision they, that I made. I think was it was unconscious at the time. That's what they always say though. Like you can make mistakes in, in, in life and although some you can never take back, um, I, I, I can think of a lot of examples right now that I can never take back or people that I know they can never take their mistakes back. But when it's things like this in life or life choices and decisions like this based around career and, um, life, you'll be pushed onto the right path. If you make the effort, you made the effort to be self-aware, you made the effort to dig deep and be like, Hmm. And I'm sure that wasn't easy. I'm sure that was scary. I'm sure you went up against a lot of pushback from people, but you still, you know, went forward and did it anyway. Um, why would people even be motivated 
to be self-aware. And this I got from an article straight up. Um, like why self-awareness is so important. We all know these types of people that I'm going to ramble off and you can chime in whenever you want to. People who make the same... When we're looking at people from an outside perspective, there's people that we know that make the same mistakes over and over again. There's people who thrive on drama. There are people who complain all the time. There are people who never take um, responsibility for things when they go wrong in their life. There are people who are violent all the time. They think violence gives them power. I, I notice too a lot of people that... And, and I notice this more, I think, in people that are more successful. Yeah. That they will make a decision on something. And if it turns out to be wrong, instead of accepting that and taking responsibility for the wrong decision that was made, they will try to persuade others that an external circumstance is what made it incorrect or that it was somebody else's fault mm -hmm. that it occurred. Yeah. Like, like really just shift, trying to shift the responsibility because they don't want to look bad. Yeah. I know somebody like that too. The... the I, I see it and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but I see it in people who are like over 60 a lot, like 50s, 60s, where they just like anything can happen wrong in life and they just like wash their hands of it. It's like a weird defense mechanism almost from forcing them to face themselves and look in the mirror and say, I made this mistake and this is how I contributed to this bad thing happening. And they just never go down that path. They just like completely step away from it and say, mm, your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault. I didn't do anything wrong, you know, like, and they just become very defensive. All of these people we just mentioned, and I'm sure there's tons of more examples, lack self-awareness. That's the problem. In, in your initial thing, you said, why is it important to be self-aware or to like try to be self-aware? When you start to become more self-aware in what you do, initially it'll become one of the most challenging things that you encounter because you will be put in environments that you already were in but when you shift from being unconscious to conscious in them you begin to realize how many people around you are sleepwalking a good way to put it i think i saw this in a quote recently once you enhance your self-awareness and your state of conscious awareness in the real world it is like being in a bar completely sober when everybody else is wasted and just drunk out of their minds every single day, yeah. right? And like you begin to notice these habits that people have and things that they do on a repetitive basis because they're programmed and they're walking through life in an unconscious manner and it's like they're drunk and it's like you're the sober one and you just have to sit there and you know, overcome these obstacles and just understand that it's okay because these people are all at different points in their journey and you need to focus on yourself. So really the reason that, that, that is why it's so challenging. The reason why it's so rewarding is because once you understand and become aware of it, your evolution as a human spirit starts accelerating so fast. You'll attract better opportunities. You'll be a better husband or wife. You'll have a better marriage. You have a better relationship. You'll have better friendships. Yes. With that also though comes losing friendships. It also comes divorces. I know so many people, not like not in my personal life, but like from articles that I've read, that people people have gotten divorced because one evolved and the other one didn't. Yeah. You know, this is this is very common. All these changes will happen in your life, but with all the good changes and all the good evolution that will happen for you, there's going to be a lot of shedding that's going to seem like scary yeah. and negative. And there's a reason for that shedding. It's because when you shift to operate at a higher energetic frequency, anything that's not matching that Things frequency leave. begin to fall away. Yeah. And that is okay. And you have to be accepted. Yeah. And in, in, in like purer terms, it's friendships are stopping. 
relationships are ending, you're changing jobs, um, parents don't understand what you're going through. You just feel like you don't belong. There's a big phase, like a big chunk of my life. There was like six years of like, I thought that I was just like an alien on this planet. Um, I, I went through a phase of like, what is the point of all this? Like, what are we doing every day, I right? Like, I, I go through that too. And I go through that sometimes, but like I tend, that happens to me. And I know that happens to you a lot. That one scares me. And I think that's something I still need to work on. It, it's like people have accepted this cycle of like sleep, eat, work, entertainment, sleep, eat, work, entertain. Like, right? There's a cycle that if you look at the world, this is what people are doing every single day. And then you really take a step back and look at it and it's like, gosh, we really are sleepwalking. There's so many things that are just people just sleepwalking and they're okay with it. And it, it, it takes a second for you to be like, okay, there's a bigger picture here. There's a larger destiny. There's things that are happening. There's a reason why I'm here. And I'm here to learn lessons. I'm here to create the best version of myself. I'm here to evolve. And I am on this physical plane right now. This is the playground I do that in, right? And when you look at it from that perspective, then you don't feel so like, gosh, what's going on in the real world, you know? I tend to not focus on other people anymore when it comes to that because that freaks me out. And it also makes me very unmotivated. But then the question lies, are you motivated by the fake sleepwalking stuff too? Like, do you think you want all those things that you're trying to work your ass off for and it's all part of the illusion? You know, like, am I trying to like go after the same things those people are? Everything, it just becomes very convoluted and unmotivating to me. So what I try to do is focus on two things. The type of life I want to live every single day. I had I don't have it yet, but that's like an end goal. Like it's like the the end picture of like where I'm trying to get. And how can I be the happiest self while I get there? Happiest and healthiest self while I get there. That's it. Those are the three things that I basically catch myself mentally coming back to whenever I feel myself wanting to almost give up in this like materialistic world. That's what I like shift back to. Um, it just seems to help me more. But you're right. I understand that. Um, let's talk about why it's so hard to be self-aware. Hmm. There's two answers to this. And the one I'm going to let you talk about freehandedly. The first one is, um, I we've talked about this in other episodes, but it doesn't matter. Ego is the first one. Yeah. A lot of people don't recognize ego within themselves, but they're quick to recognize ego within others. others yeah. And it's judgment. It's it's basically it's judgment, right? When you can free yourself from judgment in all of its capacities, you reach a better level of self awareness, right? And when you begin to I would recommend everybody go and study there's a ton of information out there. Mm -hmm. Study about the different ways that ego can rear its head. It's not just, the first thing people think about is ego is, I'm better than you. You know, they become cocky. They become arrogant. I'm more successful than you. I'm this, I'm that. Like they try to pl place themselves on a pedestal. Or I have more experience, therefore I know uh, more than you. Yeah, that is, that's like one tiny sliver of ego. Another example of ego is you're in the workplace and somebody says, you know, I don't really like your opinion on this project that we just put together. If that for one second offends you, you have an ego problem. Mm -hmm. Get over it. 
because that is you now having an emotional reaction to somebody else's opinion, an external scenario. That's an ego problem. There are tons of different ways. That, and there's great books on it as well that you can go check out about how ego actually comes out. But when you can learn to remove ego and judgment in all areas of your life, the freedom that you experience is just amazing. And so I would recommend really trying to study that for our audience. And when you have that kind of freedom, uh, most days I have it, uh, but some days I don't. But when you experience that kind of freedom, you move differently. You take action differently. You dream differently, right? You have nothing stopping you from taking action on something. You're not afraid of what mom and dad are going to say. You're not afraid of what my wife or my husband is going to say. You're not afraid of what your friends are going to say when you're doing something. Like I'm currently my in my free time, it's like the, the passion stuff that I'm doing, creating things and putting it out there, which is vulnerability and it opens and it opens a whole box of like people having judgments, whether they're to my face or silently behind my back. It, it's real. It's there. Um, friends and family included. But when I don't care about that um, and I just realize that their thing is coming from a place of ego and mine, I can't be egotistical because if I am, then I'm going to be offended by what they're doing. I'm just going to keep trying to do the work that I want to do. I'm going to keep at the thing that I want to do. And that that's how you'd be successful. That's how you become successful eventually. Um, you, you don't stay in this stagnant, scared, confused place. Instead, you're in like a path of like, very detached from the outside world. It's just you and your work. It's just you and your decision. It's just you and your path. Um, nothing holds you back when you have that. The second reason of why it's so hard, and this was this was a new piece of information for me that I learned about during my research. The second reason it's so hard to be self-aware in this world um, is actually a biological one. This article said that us human beings, we are programmed to be on autopilot biologically. That means breathing, heart rate, the blood pumping through our veins, the cells uh, regenerating, all the brain firing um, neurons and signals. Our mechanical body is very on autopilot. We don't do that work. And so by nature, there is like 60% of us that tends to put that habitual biological behavior into our world. It's kind of just programmed in there of like, Oh, hey, you know, for one month, this workout is totally working out for me. So I'm just going to do the same workout for the next 60 days. So now for 90 days, you're doing the same workout, but you hit a plateau and you look like shit in the mirror. You know, you went on autopilot is what happened. We're habitual creatures. So this article states that even though it seems that our biological um, makeup tends to steer us away from self-awareness and makes it harder the biggest piece that we're missing is we're also, we also have a heart and a soul. We're not just the mind and the body, which is all autopilot. Our heart and soul is not on autopilot. And another thing too, from a biological perspective, this is more around the mind. And we're so used to being focused on what has happened already or what is going to happen in the future, whether that is out of fear or out of positivity and goals that we never or sometimes never, we have a difficult time yeah. focusing on what's happening right now and staying engaged in the present moment. I think that is a huge way as well to raise 
your self-awareness and consciousness in unconscious environments is focus on the present moment. Don't focus on a task you got to do next week or something like that. Focus on what you're doing right now. Don't worry about something that went wrong last week. Stay very centered and engage with exactly what you're working on right now. And I know you've got a, you have future goals you have to hit and those can be things you set, but try to do your best each and every day to focus on right now and what you're doing. And that helps you raise that awareness. Even, but to your point, even though we have, um, even though we're, you know, we have future goals and future things that we're doing, it still is more beneficial to us to be here in the present moment because what we do and think and feel and believe today in this present moment is exactly what determines and dictates how our future will look like. So mentally taking yourself in the future and harping on it or going into the past isn't going to change anything for the better. Being in the present moment, doing the work, having the right attitude, being very detached, but um, logical and rational in how you approach life and its issues and those decisions that you end up making, those choices that you end up making today are exactly what's going to determine your future. So there's no point in harping on that. There's just, it's, it's all you have is currently right here and right now. Back to my heart and soul point, we're not at the beckoning call of our minds. We're not at the beckoning call of our you know, autopilot bodies. Because we have a heart and soul, we can use self-awareness to expand our heart and listen to our soul more. This will tremendously transform our life for the better. Um, here's an example of what I just said. People at a younger age who tend to know what they want to do you know, like people have a talent of singing, rappers, artists, painters, dancers, um, you know, like football players, all these people who tend to figure out pretty young that I'm really good at this and I really enjoy this. And this is what I want to spend my time um, crafting and perfecting. And they don't care whether their parents approve. They don't care what society says. They don't care if they can make money off of it. They're not really there yet. They're just focused on doing that one thing because their heart and soul literally speaks and screams to them like, I love to sing or I love to dance or I love to play football. Those are an example of people who stepped away, unknowingly probably, stepped away from the norms of society, became very self-aware and tuned into their bodies and their heart and their soul of like, this is what I love to do though, and just pursued it. And next thing you know, you've got like the M&Ms and Ariana Grande's and whoever's like the best football player out there right now, it's because they were self-aware. Whether they knew it was called self-awareness at 16, probably not. But they were self-aware enough to tap into their heart and soul and just gun it in that direction. Something I always find fascinating in like situations like that is people that become self-aware early on in their life versus people that have to wait till they're 50 or 60 before they reach self-awareness if they reach it at all and what i mean by that is you have one person like you just let's use ariana grande as an example like the uh, musician and artist so she knew from an early age that this was her thing and she really gunned it and followed that path and then you have other people that maybe could be just as good of a singer as her and they know that they're a great singer but they are unconscious until they're 35 And then they're like, you know what? I want to gun it and become a singer now. Like there's a reason for that. And I always, I'm always curious about that. Like, what is it that makes one person able to do this so early and another person, it takes them an additional 20 years before they reach a level of consciousness to say, I'm going to do this. I I want to write this chapter in my life book. Right. Um, 
it, I don't have an answer for it. I'm just saying I find that really interesting. I've thought about that a lot, and I do have an answer. Whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know. Um, there's no one specific answer, but there's one part of it that I think I figured out. And that's these people at a young age were surrounded by people who allowed them to grow into themselves. Ariana Grande's mom didn't force her to go to school. She didn't want to go to school. So she said, okay, you can be homeschooled. You know, like they were, when you're young, you don't have resources. When you're young, you don't have money. You don't understand the world. So you do have some sort of figure in your life, whether you're in a foster home, whether you're with your grandparents, whether with your parents, your aunt, uncle, whoever's raising you. I feel as though there is that, that foundation is being built at a young age. And I think it's all, I think 60% of it, I think destiny plays a a part, but I think 60% of it starts right there. Like, do you have somebody who's saying, okay, then go that way? Or do you have somebody saying, no, if you don't go to kindergarten, if you don't go to first grade, if you don't do this, then you're never going to have a college degree and you're always going to be sitting on my couch. You'll never have this. You'll never have a job. No one's ever going to marry you. Like, do you have that type of voice in your head growing up? Or do you have someone saying, okay, if you don't want to go, what is it that you want to do? What do you want to do if you don't want to go to school? I want to sing. Okay, I'm going to get you singing lessons. Like, what do you have? I think that's definitely a part of it too. I think that, yeah, your environment and how you're raised is, is part of it. But then on the flip side, I think there's always interesting anomalies because I know people that grew up in very terrible environments like the what you just said about you're never going to make it, you're never going to do this. And they just like gunned it on a sport and then they became very successful right, in that sport long But internally, their, their self-awareness is a little bit higher, right? Yeah, yeah. And although those so if, people... So if you have the environment plus the self-awareness, correct. you accelerate way quicker. Well, you can get out of the shit... The, you can get out of the scenario of not having the support system mm-hmm. at a young age because you are, you know, you have the self-awareness yourself. So who cares about the support system? But I do, I do think that that plays a part in it. And then I do think that some kids now at like 31, I look at some kids, I do think some kids are self-aware at a young age and don't even know what it means. You know, like I definitely didn't have it at, at a young age. Um, but I also don't think I didn't have it is because I was, observing the wrong person growing up um i was idolizing and wanting to be like the wrong person growing up and as i got older i realized that i had that example but i also had another really good example and so i started to shift and as i started to shift my life started to shift too like as i kind of leaned towards the other person um specifically it's with my mom my mom is way self-aware my mom has a way of she really does get anything she wants. She achieves everything she wants. And she does it in a very calm, neutralized, detached, happy way. Like she has a way about doing things. Like she knows what she wants. However, she did not know all these things when she was much younger, like in her 20s. And she tells me that. And she goes, some of us gain that self-awareness with age. Some of us are born with it. There are kids who know at a very young age that they want to be magicians. Or what's his name? The guy who does all these tricks everywhere in Vegas and like he goes in tanks and he like change, chains himself into D- Blair. David Blaine. David Blaine, yeah. Him, he knew at a very, very young age, like five or six years old, that he could do all this and he wanted to do this. That's all he ever wanted to do. Um, and then some of us just aren't, you know? It is what it is. I think some of us are sidetracked by just life in general. Mm-hmm. But um, let's... I don't have a list. I just have like one or two things, but you can add into this. How can somebody become conscious in an unconscious setting now? Like what are this tactical steps 
or thought processes or beliefs that somebody can work on in, in and of themselves to be able to go to work and not be triggered, to be able to go to the ice cream store and not feel the way that I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, what can we do? And although I will say this with a disclaimer, something will always trip us up. I, I can't go 365 days without feeling something, you know, like I had the ice cream situation yesterday and last week I had the other situation on a phone call in my work scenario that kind of forced me to go meditate for 20 minutes because I was feeling some sort of way. But Things- what, what you did was interesting and not everybody has the capacity to do this in the work environment, but you recognized it and then you stepped away to calm your mind down. What you could have done is you could have just been pissed off the rest of the day and started snapping at people that had nothing to do with that. But scenario. do you know why I recognized it? It's because I've gone so long without feeling that. It immediately took me back to my last job in the corporate world in Philadelphia. It immediately took me there. I was like, this is the same feeling that I had back then. It was just so bad. And I was like, wow, when you don't, when you feel good most of the time and then you get something, it's like, oh, whoa, like something's off here. What can I do to change this right now? I have to change this right now inside of me. Yeah. He can't, this person cannot control my mood for the rest of the evening. So my first, I have two things to add to, to say that I think people should absolutely do to maintain self-awareness and consciousness at work. The first is absolutely 1,000%. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. You have to meditate every morning. I think meditation does 70% of the work for you. I don't know what it is. You just float. You can catch yourself quicker. I don't I don't know what it is. It's scientific. I know that it's it's been backed by science and there's like a lot of material on this out there. It works. And I want to make something clear on this too. You can't meditate in the morning and say, "Okay, I'm done. Now I'm going to just move through my day." You have to leverage the feeling you get through Mm -hmm. that and when you're done with it and understanding how calm you can make your mind to implement that into the day i think there's people that i've talked to before that have been like you know i meditate but then i go and i'll get pissed off about something later in the day like that we're humans it happens right meditation teaches you and shows you that you can calm and control your mind and your thoughts now that it taught you that hold on to it and move from that meditation also when you do that shows you over time it changes your relationship and your perception of your relationship with the rest of the world and what it does is show you that you have the power i had the power in that moment last week number one because i've been practicing it for so long i feel weird and i feel angry and then i knew i can change this he's not going to make me feel this way for the rest of the evening i'm going to change this and i dropped into a meditation and i forgot about it in my meditation my, my, you know, they say focus on your breath, focus on this. I was focusing on me and my mind, not my thoughts about this person, not my thoughts about the interaction with this person making me upset um, in my work scenario. I was focused on the present moment, which was that's gone. That's an hour away. I'm here now and I'm focusing on my breath and my mind went away from it. That, that's what it teaches you. And you're right. You have to now do the work for the rest of the day and use that tool. It's a tool. Use it to help you consistently control your mind and your thoughts and your reactions mm-hmm. before. The second thing I would say people can do is 100% always 24-7 be in tune with your body. I think when something happens that's about to trigger us, the first signs you see are mental and emotional like and physical like in your body. You start to get like 
shaky because you want to freak out or you get nervous or you choke up or you get angry. Something happens that you can notice. It starts to manifest in you in some way Um, or it's mental and you want to yell at somebody. Be so in tune with your body that when something ticks off like that, you immediately know, oh, whoa, I got to bring myself back um, so that you don't react unconsciously. I'm going to throw two more out there that have been helpful for me enormously. Um, One is clean up your diet. You don't think about this, but if you are moving through your life in an unconscious manner, you have to start paying attention to what you put inside of you because every single thing you put inside of you is creating an effect on how you think and how you feel and how you act and how you react. Mm -hmm. And something that I noticed in myself when I quit eating meat and dairy and I switched over to a plant-based diet, I don't even mean a vegan diet. I mean, mean, I'm going to differentiate these two. When I say plant-based, like we very rarely will eat anything that I think a lot of people would consider just regular vegan. It's like, you know, uh, you know, anything that's like, like fake, like impossible burger beyond meat, like biotechnology meat, right. Or processed or processed food, right. Like I'm talking like things that you purchase in the perimeter of the grocery store where it's like actual plants. Right. And when I made that shift, my stress levels and my cortisol levels and like the general tightness in my body, like dramatically lowered from what it used to be when I was eating meat and dairy. And when that happened, it's like the switch went off and I became more self-aware. It took me, I I had a shoulder injury um, from working out. Like I never had to get surgery or anything, but I, I knew I had messed something up years ago and it never really was the same. And when I quit eating meat and dairy within about 72 hours of eliminating that 100% from my diet, I almost had full range of motion back in my shoulder. And now I've got 100% range of motion back years later, right? Um, and it, it had everything to do with like the stress and the the tightness that meat and dairy create from an inflammatory perspective in your body. It, it's absolutely remarkable. So by removing that and focusing on plant-based foods, you're eating with food that really electrolyzes your cells, it increases oxygen and blood flow, it reduces your cortisol and stress levels, reduces inflammation, and it helps you reach a new level of self-awareness. So that's one. Just just to give an example of what you just said, imagine this, you're at work and you have like a very stressful like 10 a.m. meeting and you're sitting there like there's egos being thrown around, there's yelling and screaming or whatever between you and your coworker. Then it's like 12 o'clock, it's lunchtime and you leave and you go like this nasty juicy burger with like nasty oil french fries on the side. In that moment, it's going to feel like bliss. Okay? It's like the serotonin levels are spiked and you're the happiest that you could ever be. And there's a reason for that because the companies know there's specific chemicals to put in that to program and and revamp your brain to make you feel like you're in a state of bliss as you eat it. Right. Oh, and then at one o'clock, you go back to your office. You have to face that same person. And you're sluggish now. You're tired now. You feel lethargic. And you're probably bloated. Okay? Mm. Does that help the situation or scenario? Versus getting a fresh green salad from your house. Notice I did not say Wendy's because that's not real salad. You get a fresh, make, make a fresh clean salad from your house. Or you have a nice green, green, green juice or something. That literally electrolyzes your body and gives you fresh clean energy like you feel it throughout the day you don't get that sluggish feeling in the afternoon when you eat clean 
And I usually too, in addition to, you know, have cleaned up my diet tremendously over the years, once I understood how this made me feel, is I eat a lot lighter as well, just in general. Like when I was eating meat and dairy, like I could eat a lot of food and I would just eat and eat, right? And I was working out all the time. So I was like putting on muscle and I got tricked almost to thinking that I needed so much protein and so much this and that to like help me reach an optimal capacity in my body. And the truth is, is it was all a lie. It's all a market that's created to sell products. And once I learned to remove that, and now I eat much lighter than what I used to. Um, and I usually have like one larger, heavier meal in the evening, but if I'm eating throughout the day, it's very, very light. Um, whether that's like a juices or salads or things like that, I usually try to keep it raw. Um, I usually try to always break my fast from like, if it's in the morning or in the afternoon, I always eat fruit first because the body digests it faster and keeps you very light. And then I may have like a heavier cooked meal in the evening and there's strategic scientific reasons behind why I do that. But what I've noticed is it makes me calmer. There's barely any anxiety. I kind of float through the day, very self-aware of what's going on and measuring things objectively and not getting too drawn in emotionally with situations. So that was a huge one for me. Because when you feel good in your body, you're going to exude that. It's just, it's like, it's, it's not rocket science. Yeah, for sure. You know, think of it this way. Like I, uh, I injured my back a couple weeks ago. Oh my goodness. I had to meditate like twice a day because I was such a crabby person because I wasn't feeling good. You know, like I hurt myself and I was frustrated or my vertigo came back two days before we were going to Mexico. I was frustrated. And so how you feel in your body, you tend to exude that energy outwards. Mm -hmm. So what you put in is directly correlated with how you're going to feel. Yeah. I agree. And the other big thing that has to do with the body as well. So I would say maybe three years ago, three or four, probably about three years ago, I would say I've always been huge into working out since I was like 16. It's always been around like lifting weights and cardio. I've done a little bit of boxing and I've, tw I've twisted different things in here and there, but it's always been through things that tightened my, my body to add muscle, right? Like when you're lifting weights, you're um, basically ripping your muscles and then you're, while you're resting, your muscles are rebuilding themselves and they're getting built. That's like the science behind lifting weight. Mm -hmm. And through that time period, I never focused on flexibility very much. So there's years and years have been built up where I was lifting to get stronger and, or maintain where I was at and doing cardio, which is also incredibly hard on your cortisol levels in your central nervous system as is lifting weights. And I never had a practice. I mean, I would stretch here and there, but I never had a like a disciplined practice of trying to stretch with flexibility. About three years ago, I more seriously picked up yoga where I made it a pivotal part of what I do each week, right? And I would do it probably at least one to two days a week as a way to rebalance my body from the lifting and from the cardio I would do. What I learned is that on those one or two days a week where I would do 60 to 90 minutes of yoga instead of working out, like I would take those days off, I would feel very, very calm, right? Like my whole body would feel good. My mind would feel good. My energy levels would be high. And then over time, I started trying to implement it more and more. And then I've gone kind of back and forth in terms of like some months I'll work out more than do yoga. Others I'll try to do yoga a little bit more. And then just recently over like the last month, um, I probably was like, you know what? I should probably just 
stop. I think we talked about this last week or the week before. Um, we started having some like adverse effects from I think like over exercising. Oh yeah, um, episode forty one. Yeah, and we guys. don't exercise like seven days a week, yeah. but I think with the way that we've transitioned our diet over the years, that. Um, since we eat so clean, our bodies don't need the same level of intensity that they used to, but we never really slowed down. And now we've learned that. Can I add a point to that? Also, for men and women over age 30, especially women, our estrogen gets pumped to a very unhealthy um, level. I just read this today, actually, this morning. Um, there's new science saying that women should not be doing um, high intensity or hit types of workouts after 30 and be very mindful of their workouts because of the hormones that start to change in a woman's body after 30. There's men, but it's, it's a different statistic. And actually, the more calmer, it's a more mental game, the more calmer and stress-free that a woman's life is. And then paired with um, deeper burns, like Pilates-type workouts, yoga-type workouts, lighter weights, not heavy weights, is actually what gives you a slimmer, leaner, tighter body because your hormones are working for you now, as opposed to when you get them pumped up through working out too heavy, which was definitely my issue. But go ahead, sorry. So when I took that time off, I took like a solid 14 to 15 days off completely from working out. um, And it, it just ended like last week. And what I told myself is, after I take this time or or during this time, I'm sorry, during this time I took off, I took a couple days off of just doing absolutely nothing, right? Like I wanted my body to rest. I wanted it to reset. And then I said, you know what, for the remainder of this 14 or 15 days of me just taking the rest, I'm going to do yoga every single day. And I wasn't trying to do Bikram hot yoga. I'm not trying to do super intense advanced positions. I like, in my opinion, yoga is designed to balance your body and calm your mind and have that mind body connection. And any any yoga class that you go to or things where they're like rushing you around and doing all the stuff or it's a million degrees in there is like not go to India. That's wrong. That's like the completely wrong way of doing yoga. Yeah, I agree. Um, it should be designed to stretch the body out, realign and balance the body. And when you're done with the yoga class, you shouldn't feel exhausted. You should feel very calm and you should feel energized. And so what I did is I did like a, a series of these 14 days where it was no lifting, no running, no, no nothing from a cardio perspective and just did yoga every day. And after like two or three days of doing that, my level of self-awareness and calmness has enhanced even more because my body is just so relaxed and like when your body's relaxed your mind is it's easier for your mind to relax because there's that mind-body connection and I was just blown away after like it's been so long since I've actually done it repetitive days in a row and when I did it and I was like five days in and then seven days in and then 10 days in, I was like, holy cow, there's really something to this there's there's something that like this could help me enhance to another level so as I did it, I realized as I was going in the work environment, I was way more calmer than even the, even though I already was. And I already was super calm, but my body felt better. I had much more energy throughout the day. Um, my Obviously, my central nervous system wasn't taking this hard hit all the time from lifting and doing cardio. And I have now made a commitment that I'm going to much more actively embrace this. And, and I've been doing it for like 20 to 30 minutes every single morning. Um, whereas I used to get up right away and work out first thing in the morning and then I'd be all kind of jacked up for the day and like ready to go take the day on. Now I'm getting up and doing this in the morning and it's making me really calm throughout the day. And then I've been mixing in my exercises in the evening. Um, you know, and I've kind of shifted over just to body weight stuff as well to give like my central nervous system a break in terms of like 
trying to lift an exorbitant amount of weight is what I would used to do. And, um, it's, it's been a huge benefit so far over like the last 14, 15 days since I've been doing it. So what I'm getting to with that is that increasing your activity in forms of yoga and stretching and flexibility, it stretches out your muscles, it stretches out your fascia, it stretches out your tendons and ligaments for the better and relaxes them, makes them more flexible and it enhances oxygen flow, enhances blood flow in your body. And when that occurs, the energy through your body flows much more freely. And so because of that, you get that better mind-body connection, have more energy throughout the day, you're much calmer, anxiety-free. And it's another great way to help enhance your self-awareness and consciousness in unconscious environments. We should do a podcast episode on the endocrine system, specifically for men and women, because it's not the same. So one for male and one for female. Maybe next week I'll work on that. Um, That's huge right now, especially because if you guys have ever noticed, this is way off topic, but if you ever noticed like people in other countries are tinier. Do you notice that? Like people in other countries are just slimmer and smaller. Number one reason Women don't get plastic surgery in other countries. It's not that much of a fad as it is here, like big tits and big ass. That stuff is not really prominent in Europe or India or Mexico. Um, Second reason is because the people who eat healthy, um, they understand life as like an active lifestyle as opposed to the American way, which is one hour of, you know, hardcore working out and then sitting at your desk all day and eating McDonald's. So, um, but... With that, though, there also plays science into this, which is our endocrine system, our hormones and whatnot. And why does yoga do that for you? Why does Pilates make you long, lean, dry muscles? Why do some people, when they work out with cardio and weightlifting that they used to do in college, is making them puffy now? Like, why is that happening? Mm -hmm. There's a scientific reason for it, and it behooves us to discuss that and learn about it. Um, But definitely more episodes on that coming soon with more scientific facts. I'll do some more research. I don't have any more. Do you? No, that's good. I think this was a good one. We got a lot of good content out there. And it was fun to talk about because I think it's something that we practice on a daily basis. And it's important for others to do the same because it will help you in, in you know evolve as a person, I think. Yeah. It's definitely, I feel like it's helped me tremendously. The book that I have for you guys today is called The Art of Living, Peace and Freedom in the Here and Now by, I don't know how to say his name, Thick. Nan Han. <laughs> it's T H I C H N H A T H A N H is the guy's name. Um, really good book. Another book by him that's really, really good is called Peace is Every Step. Um, he does some real world examples, so that's why I think it's helpful. And the quote for today is You can't get away from yourself by moving from one place to another. Strong people have a strong sense of self worth and self awareness, they don't need the approval of others. The greatest thing in the world is to know how to belong to oneself. I like it. I think that really just sums up everything we said. Um, When you really feel and be, and some days it's easier than others. That's a fact. But when you're just like, you're just so all in you, like confident and peace and happy and like taking uh, appreciation in the little things in life, then you're in the moment, number one. You're grounded and nothing and nobody can shake that. Um, and that's, that's a huge power to have, I think, especially in today's time. Guys, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you guys got any value of, out of it, we would totally appreciate um, a rating and a review that's right. on Apple Podcasts. And hopefully you guys think 
like my beautiful Indian wife family would say about this episode, it was very good. <laughs> very, very good. Very good episode, Brian. I'm ending this right Very good now. episode. Stop it. <laughs> See you guys next week. <laughs>